I'm going to be speaking on the theme of identity today, and I'm going to be basing it around the book of James, three short verses from James chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. James writes as follows, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, during this pandemic, spectators haven't been allowed to attend live events, like football matches, for example. In the days when you could have gone, you may have heard some chanting such as this at a football match. Who are ya? Who are ya? Generally accompanied by finger pointing at the opposition. Who are ya? Who are ya? What's the significance of that? I read a definition that someone had written that I think sums it up. It's an insulting chant accompanied by finger pointing meant as abuse to a single person or team performing in front of a crowd by indicating that they are unknown and insignificant. Our enemy, the devil, often says that to us. Look at you. You're insignificant. You're nothing. Call yourself a Christian. I've seen better pagans than you. Who are you? One of his strategies is to undermine our confidence in who God has made us to be and says we are. There is a battle going on over identity, and it's not limited to the Christian world. There also seems to be a crisis of gender identity, particularly in the Western world. I mention that because it helps illustrate the fact that identity is a battle being fought with truth and lies. Prince Harry's recent pronouncements from America strike me as a search for identity. Who am I? Who do I want to be? Knowing who God is and who we are shapes our sense of identity. And what I want to do through this message is build our confidence in him, in who he is and in who he says we are. After all, it will be tested. So I want to share today a few important thoughts on the battle for identity. Don't be deceived, James says, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, to be deceived is to believe a lie. It's always been Satan's strategy to get you and me to believe a lie. So, for example, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, the Lord says to them, you may eat from any tree in the garden, but not from that tree there, because on the day you eat from it, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And the devil then comes along, and what does he say? He says, you certainly, you won't die. You'll become wise like God. Truth and lies. We had a great deal from former U.S. President Donald Trump about fake news. News that purports to tell the truth, but in fact is a lie. With all we hear as well about COVID-19 and vaccinations, what's the truth? We can see that there are differences of opinion. Is that vaccination safe? Is it not safe? One country decides one thing, another country decides something else. What's the truth? Now, of course, you know, overall truth is important. And Jesus said that as we followed him, we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. 
We would know the truth about God and about ourselves. Our whole worldview would be shaped by the truth. Certainly been my experience. My whole worldview is shaped and continues to be shaped by the truth. The Lord doesn't want us to be deceived about who he is and who you and I are. So let's uh, think about God first as who he is shapes our sense of identity. Jesus clearly teaches that God is our father, our father who is in heaven. And now he's better than the best human father. He gives good gifts to his children. He is good, not just to those who deserve it, but good to all, good to the selfish and ungrateful, good to even those who hate him. Classically, the disciple Philip says to Jesus, show us the father. Jesus replies, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So if we want to see what God is really like, we look at Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, God in human form. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So first of all, don't be deceived. God is love. How do we know? Well, if we based our understanding of that on our circumstances or even our feelings, then there'll be times when we may think, well, how can God be love if this is happening to me? A loving God wouldn't allow that to happen, surely. So how do we know that God is love? Well, we see this as Jesus hangs on the cross. On that occasion and of that occasion, Psalm 22 depicts it very vividly. The psalmist writes, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. I love the song where we sing, this is Jesus in his glory, king of heaven, dying for me. To think that Jesus at his most vulnerable, experiencing the torture and public humiliation of the cross, is us seeing the glory of God being revealed, is when I think about it like like paddling in the sea with a vast ocean of God's unfathomable love before me. Then wave after wave of God's love comes over me because every good and perfect gift is from above. I've personally received many, many good and perfect gifts. Here are a few. The gift of understanding who Jesus is and what he has done. The gift of being able to read his word. The gift of speech. The gift of learning. The gift of hearing. The rich gift of family. The gift of education. The gift of health and energy the gift of provision, the gift of travel, the gift of fun, the gift of the church, the gift of sight, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of home, the gift of friends. I could go on. Have there been tears, (laughs) frustrations, and disappointments along the way? 
Uh, what do you think? <laughs> but through it all, the gift of God's unfailing love and faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. And of course, Jesus giving up his life is the ultimate gift. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. I love this this depiction of God, the Father of the heavenly lights. I'm continually in awe when I look at the night sky. Do you know, I always wanted to see the constellation, the Southern Cross. But the only difficulty was that you can't see it from the Northern Hemisphere, where we live. And I'd never been to the Southern Hemisphere until the Lord opened the door for Joy and me to go to South Africa. On our first night there, I told the friend we were staying with that I wanted to see the Southern Cross. So he took me out to the garden and pointed it out to me. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Can I encourage you this week to think of the good and perfect gifts you have received from the Father of the heavenly lights? Oh, and by the way, although you can't see the Southern Cross from our part of the world, you can see the bright star Sirius from here. Even though it's 8.611 light years from Earth, bearing in mind that light travels at 186,000 miles per second, the Father of the heavenly lights is awesome beyond human understanding. And yet, he loves you and me and calls you by name and numbers the hairs on your head. He sees the sparrow fall. How amazing is he? In addition... When we look at the Old Testament, God also compares himself to a mother when speaking to his people who think God has forgotten them. I wonder, do you sometimes feel as if God has forgotten you? Your prayers got unanswered? You have no sense of his presence? Where is God? Well, this passage helps us to understand something about God. In another mind-blowing passage here that often comes back to me, Isaiah proclaims the following Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. In other words, the bond of love that exists between God and us is even greater than the bond a mother feels for the child she has given birth to. The Apostle Paul expresses it like this in the book of Romans. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Our confidence and sense of identity comes from our heavenly Father, who does not change like shifting shadows. His love isn't fickle. His love isn't moody. His love never grows dim. His love is who he is and is that on which we stand and from which we get our sense of assurance and identity as his beloved children. What are you standing on in your life? 
So, okay, what about you and me? What do these verses say about us? Now, I often repeat these few verses from the book of James as they've spoken to me for a number of years. And they're ones that uh, my attention, it keeps coming back to. And they also embody for me deep truths in a simple pictorial manner. (laughs) I call these verses my rocket fuel that enables me to escape the gravitational pull of doubting God's character and his love for me. He chose, in verse 18, it says, to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. Notice, first of all, that he chose. You are his choice. I'm going to show you a picture. Here it is. Would you hang it up in your living room? Or in your bedroom, maybe? So that when you wake up in the morning, it's the first thing you see. I must confess, I I sometimes feel a bit like this painting. Uh, Let's put it like this. I feel at a very low point. Oh, failed again. Missed the mark. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have done that. Should have done that instead. In May 2017, this painting sold at Sotheby's for over £79 million. You could buy 36 bedroom properties in Beaconsfield for that. It was the highest price ever paid at auction for a work by an American artist. And it was purchased by this gentleman, Yasuka Mizawa, a Japanese billionaire. He felt that this painting was worth all the money he spent on it. He chose it. But Mr. Mizawa was not as rich as Jesus. After all, heaven is Jesus' throne and earth is his footstool. And yet the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. The Father of the heavenly lights has chosen you. Now that's worth thinking about this coming week. My Father in heaven has chosen me. Why? Because he loves me and always has. That's a very big thought to get our minds to comprehend. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, James writes. Through the gospel, in other words, the good news of what Jesus has done. One of the questions is, that comes to my mind as I was thinking about this is this. When did he choose to do that? Did he choose to do that when I had my godly act together? Did he choose to do that when I had prayed sufficiently and for long enough? Did he choose to do it after I had given my money to the poor? Did he choose to do it after I had promised to be a good boy and not blaspheme him again? No, none of the above. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, For he, God, in other words, chose us in him, that is Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. So does that mean before I had done anything good or bad? Yes, it does. So God's love for me is not based on my performance because I hadn't even been born then, except in the heart and mind of God himself. Furthermore, the Apostle Paul also tells us in Romans 5, for while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? What I'm saying is this. Your value is not based on your performance. 
That is obviously not to say that how we live now is unimportant. No, no, no. God wants us to live in his love. Simply put, to love him and our fellow human beings as ourselves. A big ask, I know. Dear friends, you're loved by God. His love is unchanging. His love for you is fixed. You're engraved on the palms of his hands. Even when I was an enemy of God, he loved me and paid the highest price possible. Amazing. This is where we get our sense of identity from. So how can we strengthen our sense of identity? Because we're in a battle and our sense of identity will be continually challenged. Who are you? Who are you? Well, there are many ways, but I just want to briefly mention two that I find helpful. The first one is this, to strengthen identity, worship. I must admit, as I'm sure many of you would too, I've missed gathering together. However, the other day, I was in the house on my own and was playing a Christian song and just expressed my worship to God at that time. It was a precious moment. You may find your own ways. I also love looking at the night sky, as you may have guessed, and and praising God for how it speaks to me. The point is this, as we worship the Lord, we get an increased sense of who he is and what he has done, his love for us. Another way that we can strengthen our sense of identity is through God's word. As we read and think about God's word, the lenses of our understanding get clearer. Here's one I often contemplate from Psalm 8 verse 3. It goes like this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? That speaks to me about the fact that God is so great and I am so small. He is so awesome and yet he sees me and he loves me. We can strengthen our sense of identity as we worship the Lord and as we read into his word. So, this week, can I encourage you to try to find some moments when you focus on the goodness of God. Think of the good and perfect gifts he has given you. Let that lead you to think of how good and kind he is. And be thankful as you turn your face to worship the God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin. What Bible texts act as your rocket fuel? Go back this week to some texts that have inspired and encouraged you. If you haven't any, then use the text I've used today, James 1, verses 16 to 18. Remember that God is for you, not against you, and let who he is and his truth shape your sense of identity. Who are you? I'll tell you who you are. You are the beloved child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And let's not forget that fundamental truth. Amen.